My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. A special welcome to you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we'd encourage you, don't run off too quickly after the service is over. We'd love to greet you and get to know you a little bit. We also have a free uh, espresso drink for you at our Mission Mocha uh, counter across the lobby, so uh, feel free to take advantage of that, and we'd love to find out a little bit more about what brings you out to church this morning. We are in our series that is uh, leading us up to Easter in this Lenten season as we walk through the gospel of Mark with Jesus. We are learning how to place ourselves into the story, to find where we are in the story of Jesus and his disciples so that even in our day and age, we can find meaning and value from what it means to be on this journey with Jesus as his disciples. The question that we're asking is, how goes your walk? How goes your walk with Jesus? Intellectually, we can say we believe that Jesus is uh, who he said he was, that he was the son of God, that he died and rose again from the dead to forgive us from our sins. Uh, But we also have to ask ourselves in those really practical day-to-day ways, how how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? How is this truth that we say we believe as Christians impacting your life today, your relationships, your career, uh, the, the things that God is calling you to do and to be in the life that he's given you to live? Uh, A gospel, the gospel of Mark, is essentially a story of the good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And it's a story where telling the good news that Jesus came to reveal to us the kingdom of God. But not only to reveal it to us, but to actually usher in the kingdom of God into this world. And as we are learning, as we go through the story, there's this bit of a mystery around who Jesus really is. Uh, Even his own disciples who are following him, sometimes they kind of think they get it, and sometimes they kind of don't, and we're going to see that again today. But ultimately, the story that we're reading is setting us up for the culmination of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection on Easter. And so when, when we begin to realize with the disciples, as we look back on the elements of the story of this gospel, we realize that all of the things that Jesus said, all the things that he did, all the things that he taught, were to point us to the meaning of the cross of Christ and the power for new life that comes as a result of his death and resurrection. Uh, As we've been saying last week, we looked a little bit into uh, some of the the teachings that Jesus did through parables. Everything kind of came in puzzles and in riddles uh, to kind of challenge people to to see how how bad did they really want to know what Jesus had to offer. How, did, how badly did his disciples really want to understand what he was teaching? Those who came to him for follow-up teaching and, and, and explanation of the parables were those who, who were really seeking out the truth that Jesus had for them. Uh, the, the question of this mystery that goes through the story, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you might be a, a personal application question that we can bring to, to any of the gospel stories that we're reading. Who is Jesus to you this morning? But today, as we continue in the story, we're going to be picking up at the the end of chapter 4 and and going through chapter 5. We're going to be looking at a large section of text again, looking for the the threads of connection through the different stories that Mark has chosen. Uh, Today, we're going to expand on that question, not only who is Jesus to you, but who is Jesus to you when things in your life don't go the way that you expect them to? Who is Jesus, and how goes your walk with him when things in life don't turn out the way that you want them to? When things don't go the way that you hope, and life seems to be crumbling around you, are you afraid? Are you you able to put your faith and your trust in a Jesus that you cannot see, in a God that you cannot see, knowing 
that what he has demonstrated through his death and resurrection, that he promises that he has the power to keep your life in his hands, even when all the evidence of the world might suggest otherwise. Like last week when we talked about all the different parables and how Mark used them to to weave together a larger story, another way to talk about that is as we look at a particular text of Scripture, we also have to understand the larger context in which the author is using a particular verse or a story. Why did Mark use the particular stories or the particular parables that he chose to use? And, And what is it about the larger context of those stories that can give us perhaps a deeper glimpse into the the meaning and the purpose of why he is sharing the stories he is with us? We're going to see that at work today. Again, if you want to turn in your uh, Bibles or on your uh, electronic devices, uh, there's uh, Bibles provided for you if you'd like. Uh, Sometimes in in this kind of a series, it's helpful to to open a Bible and get the overview of the the passages we're going to be looking at. At the end of chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus continues his teaching, and he is now expanding by going out in the boat across the lake of uh, Galilee, and he's visiting other towns around that area. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, the other side of Lake Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. His disciples, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now let's pause there. We're not going to have a chance to read through uh, the entirety of chapter 5, verse by verse, but we'll kind of talk about some of the stories that Mark adds there. In this larger section of verses 35 through chapter 5, there are four stories that we see the power of God at work in the world through Jesus to provide deliverance from people who are in difficult and sometimes even deathly circumstances. Circumstances that seek to shatter human life. In Mark, the nature miracles are, are, are more profound clues for the disciples as they explore this mystery of who is Jesus. And, and, and it helps us to see as the readers that, that his identity is, is that he is God with us. He is the Son of God who has come to usher in the kingdom of God. And we see that, that the divine power of God is at work in and through Jesus' life. But interestingly, isn't it, that even when confronted with a miracle of this magnitude, his disciples are still a little bit in a fog, and they're, they're kind of going, how do you connect the dots? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Yet Jesus continues to demonstrate that he has the power over the forces of chaos and darkness in this world and to rescue his disciples from anything that might come their way. And at the end of this, the verses that we just read, Jesus raises the key question of this larger section for us today. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
That would be a question I think we could ask ourselves today and in the week ahead as we hopefully will continue to read through these stories and walk with Jesus in the gospel. As you look at your own life, as you come to church today and you think about the circumstances going on in your home, in your relationships, at your work, with your finances, with your hopes and your dreams for your life, why are you so afraid? Because I can assume that we can ask that question with, a, with an affirmative that you are a little bit afraid because I know that I'm afraid. I look at my own life and I, and I feel anxiety and I feel worry and I feel fear about all the things that I hope for and that I long for when things don't work out the way I want them to. I, I become anxious about that too. We all struggle with fear. That's a part of the human condition. Why are you so afraid, Jesus says? Do you still have no faith? And what is the connection between fear and faith? And then the disciples raise the key issue in answering those questions for us. Who is this that even the winds and waves obey him? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you this morning that even the winds and the waves and the storms of our own lives obey him? The additional miracle stories in this section essentially carry the same questions and the same theme as it goes through, but but Mark expands the context for us to be able to apply these questions in our lives in a greater way. Again, we're not going to read every verse, but if you want to look at it with me, you can kind of see the other stories. So he goes from there, he goes across the lake again to to the Gerasenes, and and he finds a man who's been demon-possessed for years and years. And so much so that he's been ostracized and kicked out of his community. They tried to chain him up, uh, but they couldn't even keep him bound. He was so, uh, you know, enraged with demonic possession that he finally got cast out and he's living among the tombs. And Jesus finds this guy and he comes running to him. And and even the demons in him recognize Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, go away from us. What do you have to do with this? And and he heals the man. He casts out the demons. And if you remember, uh, it's the answer to the question, when pigs fly... Right? Jesus casts the demons out into a herd of pigs, and the, the pigs go hurtling off a cliff in, into the water. And of course, the townsfolk are all upset because they just lost all these pigs. And they're like, Jesus, get out of here. We don't want you here. You're ruining our, our pig business. <laughs> but the man is healed, and he's, he's excited. And he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. And he says, no, no, go back to your own family and your friends and, and tell them the story of how you have found healing and restoration through the power of God at work in Jesus. And then the story goes on, and, and then Mark kind of weaves together two other stories where Jesus is going on and he's teaching, and, and a leader of the synagogue named Jairus comes running to him because his daughter is sick and she's about to die, and he says, Jesus, if you can come to my house, I know that you can heal my daughter. And Jesus says, great, let's go. But before he can get there, he gets beset by all these crowds, right? And, and there's a, a woman who, who's coming, and she's had what the Bible says is a flow of blood for 12 years, and she spent her entire life savings trying to find cures, but nothing has worked. And, and she thinks if she can just get to Jesus to touch the hem of his robe, that maybe, just maybe, something might happen. And, and of course she does, and she's healed. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And she's afraid because she knows that power had just gone out from him and she had just been healed. But now she's afraid because she doesn't know what Jesus is going to think of that. But in her courage, she confesses and Jesus commends her for her faith. But by the time he's done all of this, messengers come from Jairus' house and say, "Ah, don't worry, the teacher, your daughter's dead. And can you imagine Jairus' feelings at that point? He had Jesus this close, but now she's gone. What's he going to do? And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, 
Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. And so we see woven through all of these stories of of these power miracles that Jesus performs. We we can see in verse 40 uh, where he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? And then again, in verse 15 of chapter 5, the townsfolk saw this amazing healing of this demon-possessed man, but they're afraid of Jesus and, and what it means for their lives. Then the woman who was healed from the flow of blood is trembling in fear before Jesus because even though she's been healed, she's afraid of what he's going to think of her. And then ultimately, this, this man who loses his daughter to death, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And of course, he goes to his house and he says, she's only sleeping. Right? And he kicks everybody out and he goes in and he says, Kahum, and breath enters her body and she comes back to life. Even power over death itself is at work in this man, Jesus. Who is this that even the wind of the Spirit obeys his command? Scholars suggest for us that there are three aspects to all of these stories that Mark weaves together. And the first is this idea of the threat of death that we all face and live with in this life. You see the disciples who are at threat of death from the perils of the sea. You, feed, you see this, peril, this man paralyzed by legions of demons who, who are, are, are torturing him. And, and it says he's living among the tombs. He's living in the realm of death. He's been ostracized from his people. And he's beating himself with stones trying to, to beat out this inner turmoil in his life. Have you guys ever felt that you've had this inner turmoil that you just can't get over and you just kind of want to beat it out and you don't know what else to do? Or this woman who's uh, had a 12-year ailment that stymied all the physicians and she's done everything she can and even spent her last penny. And, and the last thing that she can do is she can hope to get to Jesus before it ultimately kills her. Or this little girl who was raised from death itself. You see, the message is clear in the Gospel of Mark in this section that Jesus, as the Son of God, as the one who has come to usher in the kingdom of God and the reign of God in our lives, is equal to any challenge that we might face in this world. Jesus was unveiled to his disciples as the Savior in the midst of the intense peril of their lives. We too live in a fallen world that is beset with evil and brokenness and sin and things that want to shatter our lives, whether it's illness or or, or the, the systems of a culture in which we live that are against God's righteousness and God's ways. Jesus' power to calm the storm represents to us the solution to our human plight is available and right before our eyes if we're willing to have faith to believe it and to see it and to receive it. See, we need to trust that God, that he has God's power. And not only that he has God's power, but that he genuinely cares about your life and my life. You know, the disciples saw him sleeping on the cushion in the back of the boat and they're like, what gives Jesus? Don't you even care? We're about to die. And Jesus kind of, oh, gosh, you guys are. (laughs) Where's your trust? Quiet, be still. All right, let's go back to sleep. (laughs) You see, Jesus has reassuring good news that the kingdom of God is available to us. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to wipe away every challenge in our lives or that we're not going to suffer. That's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel story here is to reveal to us who Jesus is and who he wants to be in your life and in my life. 
The challenge is that we can easily claim to be courageous as Christians when everything's going right and well and smooth. But when difficulty comes, when we become disappointed and we discover pain and loss and, yes, even death in our lives, we can begin to question, does Jesus even care about me? Does Jesus even know what's going on in my life? You see, Mark wrote this gospel for uh, communities of Christians who are, in facing, who are facing intense persecution and challenge in their own lives. And they needed a word of encouragement that even though they might be facing death for Jesus' name, he was with them, he cared about them, and would help them in their spirits and in their souls, if not physically and otherwise. So maybe another question for us this morning is, what are the storms in your life today? What are, the, what are the things that, that begin to darken the horizon of your perspective on life? The things that might seek to swamp your boat and threaten to bring you under? Is there something that you're facing, either big or small, that causes you to fear and to question whether God is present and whether Jesus cares about what's going on in your life? What are the storms in your life this morning? Is it, are there inner demons that you've struggled with for years and years, and, and every time you try and make progress, you, you, you take one step forward and two steps back, whether it's a, some kind of an addiction or some kind of recurring habit or behavior that, that you've wanted to change, but you just can't get over it. You just can't make that change. Do you need to come to Jesus with a fresh sense of possibility in your life this morning? Maybe it's a chronic illness in your life or in a loved one's life that is so depressing and difficult because it just never goes away and there's not even a prospect that, that it will. And so you have to live in this tension and this storm of this ongoing chronic illness and the difficulty that brings to life. Where is Jesus and how can he meet your deeper need even in the midst of that kind of an ongoing situation? Maybe you feel isolated and alone, even in the midst of a crowd of people. Maybe you're even part of our church, and you don't feel like you're connected in community in any real way, that nobody really knows you. Does Jesus know you? Does Jesus care, even though you might feel isolated and alone at church today? What are the larger challenges that threaten us as a faith community, even in the midst of our culture today? See, first we have to identify and acknowledge the storms in our lives and the fear they cause in us. Then we can begin to come to Jesus with those fears and those anxieties and say, Jesus, help me with this. Help me understand how to cope, how to, how to get through it, how to be healed from it. And then we lift our eyes to the one who has demonstrated that he has the power to rule all things, trusting in his power to preserve us, to protect us, and to bring his healing in his way and in his time. What will it take for us to know that Jesus is God and to put our faith fully in him? The second thing that scholars suggest is a theme that runs through these four different stories is, is a theme of desperation. The disciples are about to be capsized. Their life is about to, to be snuffed out, and so they're desperate, and they run to Jesus, and there's this idea of desperation in, in their attempt to, to come to him. The demon-possessed man sees Jesus and he runs to him and there's a sense of desperation that, that maybe, just maybe, this is, this is his answer for a lifelong ailment that he couldn't solve. The father whose daughter is dying is desperate to get Jesus' help and he comes to him as quickly as he can and says, Jesus, you gotta get to my house. 
And of course, this woman with the flow of blood, right, makes her way through the crowd. There's a, there's a desperation for each of these characters as they, they recognize a possibility in Jesus that maybe, just maybe, there's an answer for my life here, and they've just got to get to Jesus. If they can just even touch the hem of his cloak. See, the point they suggest is that most the, the people who are most open to receiving Jesus' power in their lives are those who recognize their desperate need for it. Too often we can become convinced that, that, that we're okay on our own, that, that we've got the finances to support our dream, we've got the, the relationships to keep us happy, we've got everything that we need to, to live the American dream and, and to achieve the pursuit of happiness until something happens and the dream begins to crumble. There's a financial downturn. We lose the house. Our spouse gets sick. Something happens and we begin to question, gosh, do we really have it all together in the way that we thought? You see, these stories of Jesus' power that's displayed through these amazing miracles has to do with Jesus' announcement that it's not our power that allows us to be successful and happy in life. It's God's power at work in us that allows us to have the confidence to weather any storm that we might face. It also recognizes that there are forces at work in this world that are against God's plan for our lives. There are forces at work in this world that would love to see us shattered and broken and dissipated and even have our church shattered and broken and dissipated. And yet God comes with his reign and his rule through the power of Jesus, saying that he is able to deal with all of the chaotic forces of evil and darkness in this world, no matter where we might experience them, either inside of us or outside of us, and we can put our trust in him. But those who are most open to receiving Jesus' power are those who are willing to recognize their own desperate need for it. Like the disciples who find Jesus asleep in the boat, many who lose their jobs or, or lose their health or find their friends and loved ones going away from them or maybe even losing them to death may feel that Jesus deliberately ignores their fate and has no concern for them. But, but a sense of desperation in our spiritual lives can also turn us back to Jesus and drive us to him even in spite of the evidence of the circumstances around us. Which then leads us to the, the third and final theme that Authors suggest that we can take away from this section of text in the Gospel of Mark, and that's the challenge between fear and faith. The challenge between fear and faith. You might expect that someone like Jesus displaying such power would be received with overwhelming joy and excitement, right? And yet every character in this story, not only if they're healed or unhealed, finds difficulty in accepting who Jesus is. How many responded to Jesus in fear? The disciples fail to have faith, and it says that they're terrified of him by his display of power. It doesn't say like, oh, Jesus, that was amazing. No, they're even more afraid of him when he displays how powerful he is. The townsfolk, when they see the demonized man sitting there quietly and in his right mind, rather than celebrating and throwing a party and saying, this one who was lost is now found, they say, Jesus, get out of here. You're bad for business. You're ruining our lives. We can't have you around here. You're, you're getting in the way of our plan for what we want to do. The woman with the flow of blood is petrified when she realizes she's been healed. And Jesus is demanding to know who touched her. You know, a woman who had a flow of blood was ritually unclean and was not allowed to be in normal social circles or in worship contexts. And for her to come and touch a man, to touch a rabbi, to touch a religious leader, could have led to her own stoning and death. No wonder she was so afraid. 
But Jesus turns and commends her for her faith. You see, as we read the Gospel of Mark and as we walk with Jesus through these stories, if you're willing to take the time in your own quiet time, in your own life with Jesus, to read these stories and to enter in and to find where do you find yourself in this this journey with Jesus, we learn that we can have help to, to trust in a Savior who not only cares about what's going on in our life, but has power and a willingness to help us in, as no one else can. The challenge is that Jesus doesn't always save us from the storms. He promises us to help us get through them. Jesus doesn't always save us from the storms. He promises to help us get through them. Christianity isn't a refuge from the uncertainties and and the insecurities of life in this world. In fact, more often or not, we are challenged to put ourselves in the face of difficult circumstances and even face persecution and death for our faith in Jesus Christ. But in Jesus, there is a security and a serenity that comes in our spiritual lives that, that can't be known in any other way and that no one else can provide like Jesus can. See, he alone, the Bible is telling us, has the power over the forces of this world that would seek to undo us and can see us safely through to the other side, whether it's in this life or in the life to come. What are the storms raging in your life today? Whether they're storms outside in your circumstances or or they're storms raging on the inside. Because the battle that God is waging with Satan and the forces of darkness and, and the enemies of his kingdom in this world are the same forces that are raging inside you and me today. The cosmic battle for, for, the, for the kingdom of God in this world is a, is a battle that's being waged in the world, but, but it's also being waged in our hearts this morning. Who is Jesus to you today? Are you afraid of your life? Are you afraid of what's coming? Or do you have faith that Jesus has the power to see you through whatever circumstances you're facing? Fear is the enemy of faith. And Jesus' word for you and for me this morning is the same word to Jairus who lost his little daughter and received her back again. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Would you pray with me?